The following message is copyrighted by Westminster Theological Seminary. Duplication, distribution, or other use of all or any part of this message is not permitted without prior written consent. Please direct your inquiries to communications at wts.edu. For all other information, please visit the main website at www.wts.edu. Let's read together from the book of Exodus, chapter 5, the fifth chapter of Exodus. This is the word of the Lord. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you're stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and four men in charge of the people. You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men, so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the four men went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use. For the slave drivers kept pressing them saying, Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. The Israelite foremen appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers were beaten and were asked, Why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh. If you treated your servants like this, your servants are given no straw, yet we are told make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, Lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You'll not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you're not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people. You have not rescued your people. Amen. May God bless to us this reading. Of his. Do you ever have a bad day? Or one of those days that starts out bad and then gets even worse. 
uh, I'm reminded of the story about the young couple who, uh, after a few years of marriage, decided that they needed some counseling and help. They were always arguing, they were always disagreeing. Things had gone from bad to worse until, until they could stick it no longer. Part of the problem was he was incredibly dull and insensitive. And she was hyperactive and dominant. And it just wasn't a good mix. So eventually they arrived at the counselor's office and he asked them, well, what seems to be the problem? And immediately the wife launched into this diatribe about everything that was wrong in the marriage and how she just couldn't put up with it anymore. And the husband, he just sat there, slumped in the chair, staring at the floor. After about 15 minutes of listening to this non-stop wife, the counselor stood up. Without saying a word, he walked over to her, grabbed her by the shoulders, and gave her an enormous hug, sat her back down again. He looked over at the husband and said, that's what she needs, at least twice a week, every week. The husband blinked, scratched his head and said, well, I suppose I could bring her round every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> Some days we feel the way that marriage counselor must have felt. What's the point? Why should I even try anymore? Maybe we feel the way Evander Holyfield must have felt after his bout with Mike Tyson. 15 rounds in the ring, his opponent tried to beat him into insensibility, and then it got worse. He tried to bite off both his ears. <laughs> and that night as he was being stitched and bandaged, can you imagine Holyfield thinking to himself, why did I, why did I even bother getting out of bed? I'm reluctant to deal with Exodus, especially with Pete Ems and the congregation. But it seems to me that Moses was having one of those kind of days. It all began whenever he went to Pharaoh with a request. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. And they just had this wonderful and this tremendous time with the elders of the people. And they had said to them, we really believe in you, Moses. We'll stand behind you, Moses. You'll get us out of this awful condition and this awful slavery. And perhaps some of them thought that Moses would kind of breeze into Pharaoh's court, perform a few dazzling miracles, and the gates would swing open and the Israelites would be on their way. But it wasn't going to be just that easy. God had told Moses that there were major difficulties with Pharaoh. And I suppose it's hard for us to imagine just how powerful Pharaoh was. The impact of his personality throughout the land. He was a god in his own land. These colossal structures and images of him tarred up into the Egyptian sky. He was worshipped everywhere. What this man said was law. He held life and death in the casual snap of his fingers. Pharaoh wasn't someone you messed about with. So when Moses and Aaron made their request, they received this rather arrogant response. Is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And that was really the start of Moses' bad day. It really was downhill from there on. That having made his request for release, all he got from Pharaoh was a kind of in-your-dreams shepherd. 
Undaunted, Moses steps back into the ring for round two. Well, if you won't let us all go, then at least give us a three-day break so that we can get away for a while and worship our God. We're just talking about a little spiritual retreat. But the answer was a firm and a definite no. And then it got really bad. Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the four men in charge of the people. You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. Require them but to make the same number of bricks as before. Make them work harder so that the men will keep working and pay no attention to their lies. Notice the little phrase at the beginning of verse 6. That same day. All these developments were taking place in the same 24-hour period. Moses' high hopes for an early release were disappearing very quickly. How could the people work harder? They're already groaning under an impossible burden. Can you imagine the poor four men walking up to the guys who were ankle deep in mud, pressing out and preparing the bricks, and they look up to their four men and they're expecting some relief and some good news, and all they get is this message, now there's to be no more straw, but you'll still have to turn out the same quota of bricks. It wasn't that they faced a more difficult task. What they were facing now was an impossible task. They just couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. And as a result, the four men were beaten without mercy. And when the four men tried to negotiate with the management, all they were told was that they were lazy. Lazy, that's what you are. That's why you keep saying, let's go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You'll not be given any straw, but you've got to produce your full quota of bricks. And suddenly it dawned on the four men. Moses, it's Aaron. They're the ones who have caused us all this trouble. They went to Pharaoh, and now we're taking the heat. Boiling with anger and sick with fear, they went to Moses. May the Lord look upon you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his servants. You have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Poor Moses. All he had done was to take God at his word. He had said the right words in the right way at the right time, but things had gone from bad worse. It was bad enough before you showed up, Moses, but now our very lives are in danger. And in that dark moment, that gut-wrenching moment, the Bible says simply in verse 22 that Moses returned under bitter attack from his fellow Israelites, with no personal friends in Egypt to sustain him or support him, with all his family back in Midian, Moses turned to the one who had sent him. He passionately pours out his heart. Why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? I don't think any of us who have been in pastoral ministry for any length of time can fail to understand just how Moses felt at that moment. I told you back at the bush, Lord, I'm not the man for this job. I've told you before, Lord, I'm not cut out for this kind of thing. I didn't want this call. I didn't want this congregation. This church is just too much for me. And here's Moses. Not only has Pharaoh kicked sand in my face, but I'm hated by the very people I'm trying to minister to. I'm hated by the very people I'm trying to help. Why, Lord? Maybe those are some of the questions that you've asked when your day has begun to disintegrate. Why me? Why now? Why this? 
And there's nothing wrong with coming to God with those questions because the Lord never slaps us down. He never pushes us away when we come with those aching, honest questions. He doesn't criticize Moses for asking his question. He gives him a straight answer. Just you wait, Moses. Pharaoh thinks he's a god. There's only one god, and Pharaoh's about to find that out. You may think that he's in charge, but don't kid yourself, Moses. I am the Lord. Now you will go and see what I will do to Pharaoh. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And what the Lord was telling Moses was simply, I, I haven't even started yet. I'm not even warmed up, Moses. You haven't seen the first movement of my mighty hand. And so without any rebuke, Moses, God has two pieces of counsel for Moses. One is related to God's person, and the other is related to his work. Five times in Exodus 6, God repeats the I am from the burning bush. Verse 2, I am the Lord. Verse 6, I am the Lord. Verse 7, I am the Lord. Verse 8, I am the Lord. Verse 29, I am the Lord. Moses, you're looking at yourself and you've taken your eyes off me. Remember who. Some of you know that message very well and you've heard it time and time again. But it's still true. When your day goes from bad to worse, it's time to refocus. Get your eyes fixed on the Lord. Remember who is. And you know, friends, unless our eyes are fixed on the Lord, we won't be able to endure those difficult days. What is it the writer to the Hebrews tells us? He says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Or in chapter 12, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. There's no better therapy and there's no other substitute than to fill our vision with Christ. When our prospects are thin, when our hope burns low, when people disappoint us, when events turn against us, when our dreams die, when the walls close in, when the prognosis seems grim, <clears throat> yes, even when our heart begins to, because he is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He is the sovereign Lord. He is changeless. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is good. He is compassionate. He is wise. He is gracious. He is loving. And he is totally reliable. And after the Lord told Moses, I am five times, he goes on to tell him, I will eight times. Chapter 6, verse 1, see what I will do. Verse 6, I will bring. Verse 6, I will deliver. Verse 7, I will take. Verse 7, I will be. Verse 8, I will bring. Verse 8, I will give. And the Lord repeats it. And he's getting his message through to Moses. Because of who I am, Moses, I will do what is best for you. And that is God's message. God is great. God is good. And he will surely bring to pass every plan he has for us. This is going to happen, Moses. The Israelites will come out of Egypt. 
It isn't wishful thinking. It isn't just a nice sentiment. I intend to make it. Now, our difficulty is that many of us in our heads know who God is, and we know what he is like. We have this difficulty of practicing it. That's the challenge of faith, to really believe that God will do what he has said. Maybe all your days at Westminster so far have been good ones. Most of mine have. Ask Judy, she'll tell you about the bad ones. And sometimes when we're not sure that God will keep his promise, and sometimes when we think we're at the end of our strength and we're ready to retreat, it's then that we just need to start trusting God all over and to have a new confidence that God will work things out as we walk by faith. And you know, maybe sometimes God allows things to go from bad to worse so that we'll learn to trust him and learn to depend on him totally and completely. William Cowper lived in the 19th century. He was given to great bouts of depression. On several occasions before his conversion, he tried to commit suicide. But on each occasion, something or someone intervened and his plan failed. Eventually, through reading the book of Romans, he came to faith in Christ. And he has given us many poems and many hymns, but none better known than this. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. There isn't a day this side of eternity, no matter how grim, that can't be improved when we cling to that promise, as God promised Moses, because I am who I am. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness in all those moments when we have focused on our own strength and our own ability, rather than on your greatness, your might, and your power. Lord, sometimes we find it hard to walk by faith. And so we pray that you will work within us in such a way that we may learn to trust you at every stage and in every situation. You are the Lord. There is none like you in all the earth. There is none other to whom we can go. We come to you today, our Father, with all our frustrations, with all our worries. We come with all our ambitions, with our hopes, with our dreams. And we ask, gracious one, that you hear us. O oh Lord, give to each of us that resilience that we need so that we may persevere in the task which you have assigned to us. Help us, Lord, to fully trust you so that we may continue to rejoice in your provision that all the glory and honor may be pleased, Lord, to bless the work of this seminary today. Bless every teacher, every student, every member of staff and administration. Oh, Lord, pour out of your spirit upon us 
so that as we labor together, we may know your rich blessing resting upon us. We pray, Lord, for this world in which we live, where there is so much hatred and bitterness and injustice and want and deprivation. And we pray, Father, that today you will prosper and bless every agency of your church as it seeks to bring help and succor to those who are in need. And we pray, Lord, for this world and for the people in it, many of whom are dying for want of Christ. Oh, Lord, give to each of us a holy passion to see this world one for Christ and to see the name of our glorious Savior published all across this earth so that men and women from every tribe and tongue may come to praise and worship our great Savior. Bless our families today, Lord. Bless our friends. We pray for those who struggle under a burden of bereavement or sickness. We ask, Lord, that you'll be gracious to those who feel that their circumstances are more than they can cope with. Give to them a word of cheer and comfort and encouragement. And may they, like us, fix their eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. Hear these are prayers today, Lord, as we come to you now, asking all these things in the name of our gracious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.